kind of getting to the home stretch of this sermon series, uh, The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we've got this week, and then we've got next week uh, for this uh, series. Then we're going to start a new sermon series the last Sunday in June called Someone Else's Shoes. And we're going to be looking at secondary characters of the Bible and seeing that it was actually, it's actually secondary characters in Scripture that oftentimes we read and we just go, oh, okay, that's a cool person and, and just kind of move along. Um, everybody talks about Abraham. Everybody talks about Moses. Everybody talks about Noah, Jacob. Everybody talks about David, um, Paul, all these other people. But there's a lot of people in the Bible that the Lord uses, and it's not always the primary uh, people we always talk about. So we're going to take a look at some of these secondary characters and kind of look at what does it mean for us and, and the implications of that. But we're going to continue through the Spirit, and uh, we're talking about um, these virtues that we see that uh, come alive in us when we walk in the Spirit, when we walk in relationship with Jesus, and when we choose to be a people that steward these things, when we abide in Jesus. And each week we've been taking a look at every single parts of the fruit of the Spirit, and it's been a really encouraging sermon series for me personally. Hope it has been for you as well. Have you been able to self-reflect and ask, like, are these things evident in my life? And if not, how can I steward my life and steward my relationship with Jesus to see these things come to fruit? Fruition, And so um, today we're on uh, gentleness. And uh, just like we've noticed on all of the fruit of the Spirit, that these are really uh, markers of seeing how we do real relationship. In Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things are what's evident as a follower of Jesus. But the, the fruit of the Spirit, it is a barometer of how well we do real relationship with others. Not only in our relationship with God, but our relationship with one another. And gentleness is one of those things that as I've been self-reflecting um, in my life, you know, 37 years now, uh, I would say that early on, gentleness is not something that is described in the Jordan Moore family, just to be honest with you. Like, we are abrupt, we are in your face, we are intense, we tell you what we think without gentleness. That's just the nature of our family and really the nature of me. And, and really looking at my life and going, I think I'm becoming more of a person of gentleness, but what are the things that have actually helped lean me towards this trajectory of seeing more gentleness in my in my life and i can i can really really three people um other people played played a significant part but there's these three moments that i can look back on in my life and go man like i can really begin to see a shift in my heart a shift in recognizing like i need to grow in this and the first one was meeting my wife and um, my relationship with her and hearing her story and hearing my story and us beginning this relationship that was my first relationship that I can honestly say started from a place of, of godliness and of goodness. And then the other uh, uh, relationships is actually when I had my first son and holding a, a very vulnerable um, person in your arms and then Having a daughter changes you as a man. Um, and I began to realize what gentleness was at a whole nother level. 
And uh, my youngest, I'm not so gentle with often, but little Theo. But um, I would say that when it comes to gentleness, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, um, I might be wrong, but I think it's probably one of the most overlooked virtues of the fruit of the Spirit. I think a lot of the other ones get a lot of press, a lot of talk. Um, and even as we begin to start the list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, our ears are attentive to those things, but as we go through the list, we kind of start drowning it out because we're focused on the other ones, right? And I think gentleness is something that is, um, is getting lost in our culture, something that's not valued, maybe like it used to be. So what is gentleness? What does it look like? How do we attain it? How do we steward it? And uh, what is the Lord calling us to do in these situations of walking through relationship with people? The word gentleness is the Greek word pros. Everybody say pros this morning. It means mildness, a sweet reasonableness. I love that statement, a sweet reasonableness. It's also translated meekness. And meekness is another one of those words that we don't use a lot in our culture, but Jesus pretty much had a pretty high regard in regards to this word of meekness, gentleness. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the, what's it say? Blessed are the meek, for they will be, they will be the ones that inherit the earth. And so gentleness and meekness are very closely tied together. If you're gentle, you're meek. The meek are gentle. This is a people, I love this quote from the ESV study Bible. Gentleness is meekness, the meek are the gentle. Those who do not assert themselves over others in order to further their own agendas and their own strength, but who will nonetheless inherit the earth because they trust in God to direct the outcome of events. You catch that? <coughs> Excuse me. These are people that don't feel like they have to insert themselves, their own strength, and they will inherit the earth because they trust in God to direct the outcome of events. Jesus talks about how he sees people and how he interacts with people. The Messiah is talked about uh, from this prophecy of Isaiah chapter 42, one of my favorite passages about pro uh, the Messiah. Excuse me. <laughs> it might be a little rough this morning, just warning you. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 42 talks about the Messiah. He says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is a picture of the Messiah coming, Jesus and I want you to notice how it describes him. He is not loud. He is not bombastic. Instead, he says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. It's a picture of how Jesus would enter in. And this picture is a picture of a reed. It's not bruised. A stock. Thank you. Super helpful. It's a description of people who are struggling spiritually. A bruised reed he will not break. You ever struggled spiritually? 
Ever been in a tough place? Jesus comes and ministers to us in the midst of our heartache, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of life's things. He comes and he interacts with us in gentleness. Um, many of you probably aren't in agriculture, so you maybe don't understand that, but all of us have had to try to start a fire at one point in our lives, right? When we're camping and we get embers going, right? And when you get embers going and you put more fuel to start a fire, you don't go in and put too much oxygen, right? You don't blow really hard. Well, first of all, because you get ash all over your face and that's never good, right? But you just gently blow to allow the fire to start. This is a picture of Jesus. That Jesus interacts with his people with gentleness. He says this in Matthew chapter 11, 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn from me, for I am, what's the next word? I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus models for us a life of gentleness in God's kingdom. Our gentleness is rooted in the confidence and strength that's found in Jesus, not ourselves. Back to that ESV quote. It's understanding that I don't have to insert, I don't have to, I don't have to manipulate, I don't have to coerce. I just have to be gentle. I just have to trust in the outcome that God's calling on me to live out and play in. What's also fascinating in the Testament is there's not just one word for the word gentleness. There's also another word that's translated gentleness. And it's Christotos. And it's often translated kindness. In fact, the first when I first started researching for Galatians chapter 5, I clicked on the, the Greek study tool online. You guys go, I thought you went to Bible college. I did, but I didn't take Greek. So I went into the Greek interlinear, and I look up my words that way, and I'm clicking on, I'm clicking on gentleness, and it pops up this word, and it says kindness. And I'm like, ah, oh, the website's wrong. Kindness is another word, and I click on it again. I go to another website, click on it. Kindness is trans. I'm like, what's going on here? Gentleness, this word, is often also translated kindness and it describes this moral excellence upright or righteous goodness of heart or kindness i started thinking about that the gentleness is also kindness it's like yeah but why i think it's gentleness and kindness because it stems from this idea that we're going to trust in god's goodness and control over any situation we find ourselves in I can be gentle, I can be kind, because it's actually rooted in the moral reality that God is good, and that God is kind, and that God is gentle, and so I don't have to be a bull in a china closet. I can be gentle. I can be kind. And this self-assertiveness, this self-interest that's often driven by fear, doesn't have to be what I'm driven by. The gentleness is driven by a faith that God's goodness can be trusted. Therefore, I'll do what is right. 
I will do what is moral. I will do what is righteous. And I'm going to trust God with the outcome. And gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness or self-interest. And as we begin to kind of think about this a little bit, I want you to think about our cultural values. Do our, do our, does our culture value self-assertiveness? Would you say so? Yeah. Does our culture value self-interest? Does our culture value boasting? Bragging? Promotion? And sometimes I think that <clears throat> we can walk the fine line where God calls us to be intentional. He calls us to be leaders. He calls us to be difference makers. But it is a fine line between, am I doing this for God, for his glory, for his name? Or am I doing this for self? Am I doing this for self-righteousness? And what is it that drives these values? Oftentimes fear, but oftentimes insecurity too. Why am I doing what I'm doing? But gentleness, we have to be reminded. Oftentimes we have to be reminded that gentleness, meekness, it's not weakness. It gets labeled that by the culture. The gentleness, meekness is weakness, but it's not. But rather it is a quiet strength that is guided under the control of the Holy Spirit. It is a quiet strength that is guided under the Spirit's control. It takes a quiet strength to allow your actions, your example, and performance to speak for itself. This requires a resolve rooted in a deep reservoir of Jesus' love and example rooted in our lives. A quiet strength, a gentleness, a meekness that is a deep well for us to draw upon. Choosing not to get our recognition from the world, recognition from the praise of other people, but instead realizing I'm going to allow Jesus' recognition, his love to drive me. Therefore, I will, I will lead a life of gentleness. Philippians chapter 4, Paul says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He says in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Which tells me this, that if we are God's chosen people, his holy people, that the only way that we're actually going to take on gentleness is we have to recognize that our identity is actually tied to Jesus. Gentleness can only take place with our identity, identity firmly rooted in Jesus. The culture will have you have your identity rooted in all these other things, boasting, bragging, self-interest, all these other things. But our identity is not tied to the production of what we do. Our identity is tied to the reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection. And so for every single one of us, we are called to be a people that says, my identity is not tied to what the world says I am or should be, but it's tied to who Jesus says I am. And so I can walk in gentleness. I don't have to walk in the fear, insecurity, coercion, all these other things that the enemy will tell me that my value is based on. But instead, I can walk in gentleness. I can walk in gentleness. You're called to be a person of gentleness. And gentleness creates the environment for better relationships. And not only better relationships, but healthier lives. When you live 
with gentleness, it actually changes the environment. Ever had someone be kind and gentle to you when you are not kind and gentle? It changes, it convicts. It changes the environment. How so? Bible talks about it over and over and over again. This is an amazing book called Proverbs. It talks about wisdom. And gentleness diffuses potential conflict. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Husbands, ever had your wife give you a gentle answer in the midst of your rage? Sometimes it just makes you even more mad, right? Because then you realize, oh, I'm really wrong. But a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentleness can, bring, can help bring conviction. Gentleness is not always absent of conflict or tough decisions. Proverbs 25 says this, Through patience a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Gentleness can bring conviction in the midst of difficult conversation. 2 Timothy 2, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. This includes social media, by the way. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be, what's that next word? Gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, who you, uh, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. What's, what are all these passages talking about? This is, this is a group of people. God's people are called to walk in relationship and speak the truth in love, but do it Gently. We live in a world that doesn't understand how to have good communication. We live in a world that doesn't understand that you need to say the hard things and attack the things that are, that are wrong and that aren't true, but you have to do it with gentleness. And oftentimes Christians do one of two things. We either swing the pendulum all the way to the true side, And don't do it with gentleness. Or we swing the pendulum all the way to the other side and say, we've just got to love. And the reality of it is, both are wrong. All of those passages we just listed are talking about tough conversations. Tough conversations. We can't ignore the tough conversation. We can't just, we got to tell them the truth and whatever happens, happens. No, no, no. We have to do it gently. And Galatians 6 says that if you don't do it gently, you're leading towards the path of sinning as well. But when we do it well, and by the way, I would argue some people are just gifted in doing it gently for the rest of us it takes a lot of mistakes to learn how to do gentleness but when we do it well it actually leads to bringing about conviction because they're actually experiencing 
Jesus through you. And Jesus was brilliant with this. He was gentle to those that were struggling, but he also called people to something greater. And he calls us to do the same thing with gentleness. Gentleness can help bring unity. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, be completely humble and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. This is a unity passage. The church is called to be one. I want you to notice, in order for a church to be one, he says, be humble and be gentle. Be humble and be gentle. So I just spent some time this week thinking about gentleness in my own life and when I've done well with gentleness. And as I began to think about um, situations on where I did well on gentleness, um, I just self-reflected on what was going on inside of me take this for what it's worth but for me I believe that a deep well of gentleness comes from a deep abiding relationship with Jesus where he begins to steward things inside my head and inside my heart and what are some of those things here's some things that came to mind gentleness it requires calmness right requires a calmness it requires a calmness calmness within my head and in my heart now in the midst of choosing gentleness uh, it might look like on the outside that I'm completely calm, but sometimes there's a war inside of me. There's a war inside of me where I do not feel calm, but I am trying to be calm and say, I'm going to choose calmness right now. There's a deep well of requiring me to slow down. That when I feel anxious, when I feel hurried, it's, it's within me that I go, Lord, I need your help right now because I want to go faster. Help me slow down. Gentleness requires humility. A decision to go, you know what? I want to be really bold, brash, but I might be wrong. So I'm going to choose humility. Gentleness requires you to listen more than speak. Requires me not to self-assert myself, but I have to interject into the conversation. I'm going to choose to listen. I'm going to choose to hear what the other person has to say. It requires an awareness. Because <laughs> oftentimes when I'm choosing gentleness, all of these things that I'm talking about right now are happening all at the same time. Ever had that happen? Overwhelmed with, ooh, I feel all these things right now. But I'm going to choose gentleness. Gentleness requires you to show empathy. To put yourself in someone else's shoes. To think about what they're going through. Instead of just telling them what you think. What, what are they going through right now? Here's what I would tell you. Is when it comes to this idea of gentleness... As much as I can look back at my life and I can go, man, like, I'm definitely more gentle than I used to be. Here's the thing for me. I still have a long ways to go. 
when it comes to gentleness. And I love how the Lord works because it seems like every single time that I preach on things and go, man, I feel like I've grown in this area. There's always a situation that pops up where he reminds me that week, yeah, you have. And I've got you on a journey of more gentleness that you still need to grow in. Happened this week with the conversation with my wife where I've got a fifth grader who's now a sixth grader. And so we are creating an on-ramp of conversation after conversation after conversation to prepare him for sixth grade. Because I don't know if you guys remember, fifth grade to sixth grade, a little bit of a different transition, right? School's different. Hallway conversation's different. Conversation with the opposite gender is different. And there's more freedom that's starting to take place. And so I've been working on this conversation for a year, thinking about different conversations I need to have, different things that I need to talk with Noah about as I get ready for sixth grade. And what I've also been thinking about is that dang cell phone. He's not going to have a smart cell phone, that's for sure. Probably not going to have one until he's married, if I can hold out that long. But they still make flip phones, praise God. And I've been thinking about this for about four months. About when the right time is to pull the trigger on getting him a phone to get ready for sixth grade. Well, he went to a birthday party by himself for the first time didn't like the fact that I couldn't communicate to him if he needed help. He got dropped off at his hitting lesson by himself. I don't like that either. So I told Natalie, I said, it's time to buy Noah a cell phone. I've already got it picked out. I've already researched it. It's good for him to get used to it through the summer so that when he's on his own, a little bit more in sixth grade we have a way to communicate with him she says can we talk about this sure a week goes by I go you gonna buy that cell phone we haven't talked about it what do you want to talk about and she starts processing all the things that she's working through And I got an answer for all the problems, all the obstacles, all the things that she's processing. And about the fourth thing that she brings up, I have this big, stupid grin on my face. She goes, will you quit looking at me like that? I need to process all these things that you brought up two weeks ago. I go, I've been processing them for 12 months. I haven't. Not my best moment. Definitely not gentle. Definitely not kind. Definitely not patient. And all these things below the surface in my heart, what was I believing? We need to hurry up. We've got a decision to make. I want to move faster. I already know all the problems. I already know all the obstacles. I already know all the things we need to be aware of. 
No humility. No kindness. No self-awareness. No humility, no empathy. What would happen if I was a little bit more gentle? What would happen when it comes to sharing with other people my faith? I was a little bit more gentle. What would happen if we, in our homes, chose gentleness? What would happen in our neighborhoods if we chose gentleness? What would happen in our workplace if we chose gentleness? Peter puts it this way. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. But do it with gentleness and respect. Still not very good at it. But the Lord is patient. As we get ready for communion this morning, in the take-home slide, I just have two questions for you. Do you realize that Jesus is gentle with you and do you see Jesus is gentle with you? Because for some of you, you still don't believe that Jesus is actually gentle with you. The viewpoint of Jesus from you is that he's harsh, that he's demanding, that he's disappointed in you. Scripture doesn't talk about Jesus that way, about how he sees you. And secondly, are you gentle with others? As we get ready to for communion, I just want you to wrestle with those two questions and have a conversation with Jesus this morning.